0: Tain podcast. Hey, Gangro I wanted to tell you about another podcast, the MarTech Podcast, hosted by Benjamin Shapiro, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. I was a guest on this podcast, and he talks through marketing and stories around world-class marketers using technology to generate growth and achieve business and career success, Um, he's got a ton of stuff around data-driven marketing, blurring the lines between sales and marketing. I had one around customer success. So listen to the MarTech podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. For today, I've got Benjamin Shapiro, who is the host and producer of the MarTech podcast. And we are doing a coast to coast recording here. Uh, Ben is coming to us Live from the uh, the West Coast here, so appreciate you hopping on. Uh, first thing to start your day, I'm glad we're doing this.
1: Yeah, uh, thanks so much for having me, and excited to uh, to meet you, Jeff, and and chat with the the GGR community.
0: Yeah, this is this is fun. Uh, you know, it's not often that I get to uh, to also I don't know talk to a fellow podcaster and um, kind of get some of the ins and outs. I'm excited. There's probably a couple of things that we can we can weave in here. But as we were talking just before hopping on and, and pressing the record button, it sounded. Um, like you've got a pretty interesting story about how you've come to be a host and producer of, I uh, think it sounds like multiple podcasts these days. So uh, maybe give us a little bit of your, you know, the the backstory here and um, let us fill us in on some of those details.
1: It's one of those things that you know when my parents or their friends are like, "So what do you do for a living? You you've you do a podcast? Do you do you have a real job? You know, I'm I'm constantly sort of defending myself, and I you know I think the I don't know, way to make it sound like I actually know what I'm doing and, and work for a living. I tell people that I run a, a media business now because people think that that sounds fancy. Um, but I guess the backstory is, you know, if I go in the Wayback Machine, I bounced around a little bit after college and, and started my career in technology and marketing working at eBay. Um, and uh, I was in the business development team for five or six years and, and transferred over to the SEO team in parallel to starting a startup um, that I was doing nights and weekends. And it was called strumschool.com, uh, online guitar lessons back before FaceTime and, and Google Hangouts were a thing and, and Zoom. Yeah, um, I like to say that we were ahead of the technology curve, which means that there wasn't really product market fit, um, <laughs> yeah. but I was using the money from working in business development and the knowledge that I gained from working on the SEO team to go create a content business related to guitar lessons. Um, And I really didn't know what I was doing. So as most things do, when you're running your first startup, it went the way of the dodo bird. Um, And the way that I like to tell the story is I I met a pretty girl and she, she said that she was ready to uh, be promoted from girlfriend to fiance, but I had to go get a steady paycheck. <laughs> yeah. um, and so my now wife uh, a- and uh, pointed me in the right direction of going and being a marketer. And so I ran the marketing department at a couple early stage startups uh, for you know five years or so after putting my startup on the shelf. Um, and then at some point I got kind of tired of the early stage startup bracket where you don't have a lot of equity. A lot of long nights and weekends working, a lot of pressures, you know, being put on the CEO from the VC community. And then the yep. CEO puts pressure on the marketers to make the business grow. And I just kind of burned out and I needed to change. So I, without ever intending to become a marketing consultant, Took a little break and said I'm going to take on some short-term projects. And one led to the next, led to the next. And three years later, I was running a you know a six-figure independent consulting business doing brand development and marketing strategy. And I started the Martech podcast uh, as a way to do lead generation for that consulting practice. Basically, the the way I was finding my consulting clients was reaching out to the people that I already had a connection with on LinkedIn. And I had found the end of the rainbow. I, I was out of the 1500 LinkedIn connections I had. So I needed to go meet new people. And so I started interviewing my target prospects. Um, and uh, little did I know I was the right person at the right place at the right time. Uh, the MarTech industry was just sort of becoming a thing. This is about four years ago. Yeah. Um, and I interviewed a couple of the right people and the audience started to grow. And I decided that instead of focusing on lead generation, I would see if I could build a sponsorship program. And uh, we sold $25,000 of ad inventory in the first month. And I said, hey, I'm done consulting, everybody. I'm <laughs> a media mogul now.
0: Yeah. And I, like uh,
1: I, I, I dropped all my consulting clients. And I, I, the one that I kept decided that they wanted me to create a podcast for them. And that's the Voices of Search podcast, which is my second show. Um, and so I've been doing that one for three years. And then uh, we're launching a third show called the Revenue Generator podcast, which is uh, sponsored by a company called lean data. And uh, so now we've got three shows that we're working on. They're all daily shows. We've got a sponsorship model um, and we're actually uh, just about probably next week. We're going to officially relaunch or, or our brand or, or rebrand ourselves to be called. I hear everything instead of Ben J. Shap LLC. Cause let's be honest, naming the company after me feels a little <laughs> egotistical. Yeah. Uh, so
0: that's my, that's my story. I like it. Well, I mean, you know, uh, maybe to give you some credit, back in the day, right? You this uh, the Ben J Shap LLC was only meant to be a a stopgap for. uh, It sounds like some short-term work, but that that really morphed into three years real quick.
1: Great branding when I was the product I was selling. (laughs) Hey, you know me from my time working together. My company is called Me, so you should buy some Me, and that actually made sense because it was all personal networking. I was selling. Ben's a smart marketer. You should hire him. And uh, and and you know now that it's like a series of podcasts and not like you know my shining face in your office. Um, the Ben J. Schaap LLC brand's getting a little tired.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what happens uh, as you all launch that next week and um, and see how you do that because I'm that's always intriguing, right? There's a, there's always a, a way or a method to the madness of of trying to make sure you can get those types of things out there. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that that goes down for you.
1: You want to hear about our launch strategy? I do. Yeah. Build a one page Squarespace site and I'm not going to tell anybody about it unless they get an email from me (laughs) and it's going to point them to our page because we're not just not ready to really like try to scale what we're doing. Like we're helping people build podcasts and we're basically moving from a model where I am the host. We spent a year or two building out our podcast production infrastructure so now when I find other people to host, they can use our infrastructure and it does everything from who's going to be the guest on a podcast to editing it, creating all the copy, doing all the publishing and all the promotion. And so I basically can run that machine and start to find other podcast hosts. Very cool. Um, but we're we're just kind of getting into scaling without me being the host now. And that's that's really what we're gonna be about.
0: Yeah. And everybody wants a it seems seemingly like, uh, you know, our B2B SaaS world that people are asked left and right. And so a turnkey solution of uh, kind of, hey, you know, if you uh, want to get a podcast and here's the, the right way to do it. Right. We've kind of, we know all these steps that you're going to have to take to do it. And so, you know, we can help guide you through that. Seems to be uh, like, it's going to be pretty productive.
1: There's a, I'm sure everybody listening to this is like, just what the world needs more B2B <laughs> podcast. And yeah. hey, look, you know, like company inc's podcast called company inc not great right actually figuring out what your category is and, and owning that category in the podcast landscape and regularly producing content is more interesting and it's not just about self-promotion and that's kind of how we've built our podcasts yep um, so you know that's it, that's where we're going
0: yeah yeah no and uh, actually it's probably a good good point to dig in just a little bit like that is the um you know, when I look at customer success and, and kind of the evolution that's been happening, one thing that I keep mentioning quite a bit as we talk with um, not only our customers, but when, you know, when we talk with our members of Gain, is that I kind of make this joke, like we actually don't have enough content from as a customer success team. And what I mean by that is, you know, um, if we can find the right way to um, create kind of that thought leadership for customers in specific situations that we're in, and create kind of multiple variants of that. So you have a maybe a short podcast episode about something. You've got a video. You have a, a PDF. You've got some PowerPoint slides. If you have like enough um, kind of content depth there, then you know you're actually more prepared or better prepared to um, drive the right outcome for your customer than if you just have one. And I think uh, you know when you look at customer success teams, like if you can get really good um, at scaling that type of content, um, I think you're going to be well off in the future because you know everybody wants. To do something in their own way. Like I might want to go, you know, insert a support ticket, but Ben, you might want to go, you know, read a three step how to article, or you might want to go watch a five minute video. And so, you know, what I mean by we don't have enough content is that um, we've, we've actually made um, the width of content too much, maybe and the depth, not there. And so I don't know if, if you see it the same way, or you think about, you know, the, the, like the delivery of that content um, as much as I do.
1: You're speaking my language. If there's anything that I, feel like is my, um, I don't know, specialty. It's content marketing and and not just the like, how do we produce blog posts, right? Content marketing has changed so much in the last couple years to the point where I'm now running what I call a new media business. And you're exactly right. You need both. It's not, it's depth and breadth, but it's like, you need a lot of content you need to have the content in the right format for the right channel but you need to be able to take the what you're producing and being able to cut it up and put it in multiple different channels because everybody has a different sort of recipe it's sort of the same way that we think about you know the customer journey is that you know it used to be that we think of these funnels where someone goes from awareness to consideration to purchase to customer to referral yeah but that's never a linear process right it's like Someone goes into awareness and then they you know, bounce around from a blog post and they go to a product page and then they talk to a friend and then maybe they buy something but then they stop being a customer and then they come back and they sign a longer term agreement. You know, like n- Nobody's path is linear anymore. And the content journey is the same. In some cases, I wanna sit down and I wanna listen to a 45 minute podcast with a guy from Northern California talking about what he does and how he became a talking head. And sometimes I just want to see a picture of that guy on Instagram. And sometimes I want to read a blog post about how to produce content and what marketing and content automation looks like. Different use cases, different people. And so, you know, for us in this conversation, we got to slice it up and make sure that it fits in the podcast landscape, in Instagram, in the, the game grow, retain community, right? There's lots of different ways that you have to sort of Gary V, your content for lack of a better term, and just repurpose what you're doing to be appropriate for the right channel. So it's not just number of topics, number of titles; it's number of pieces of content across multiple channels. And once you start to master that and expand, then you really start to see media properties, you know, growing exponentially.
0: Yeah, that such a good point that you mentioned right right off the top of your your statement too, which is that there's um, you're already producing content and you probably don't even realize it. Right. And then as you start to realize it, then you can start to say, Hey, we can take a 30 to 40 minute podcast episode and we can, we can write a blog about it. We can uh, write a social post. We can, we can actually clip out audio um, from it. And turn And so once you start thinking about the the current way that you might be producing the first piece of content, maybe is the way to think about it. Then you start thinking about, okay, how can this asset be leveraged in in other ways? Um, and I, again, I think that that is the, the, the thing that comes to mind as well is that, sometimes we get caught in this trap um, where we say something once. And because we've seen it and worked on it so much, we felt like we've we've shouted that from the rooftops for, for so long. And we feel like people are probably over peppered with that same message. And then you kind of go back and sometimes you start talking to customers and you're like, oh yeah, did you see we did X? And they're like, no, I didn't actually. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. How did you not see that? I thought we shouted that from the rooftops. And you start thinking, oh, you know what? We only sent a couple of emails here and there and you know maybe it was only 30% open or 40% open. And so, you also start to realize, I think, that um, the more that you get into this game, is uh, you also have to repeat yourself um, in good ways, right? You don't want to be the the annoying person. You got to find the the balance, but you also need to make sure you repeat yourself because not everyone's going to get your message on the first try. And so that's the other part I think of having the 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 breadth of content, like you were saying, is that you or the depth, whichever uh, whichever version we're using there. But like, it, it, as long as you're producing multiple formats. Um, then you have the ability to say something without feeling like you're um, specifically repeating the same exact thing, because you could actually layer in the first time you send, you know, that video, the second time you send a blog, the third time you send, um, you know, a social post. And so you can layer it. So it doesn't feel like you're having to repeat the same exact thing where somebody feels uh, kind of overburdened.
1: It's one of the things that I tell every podcast guest when they come onto the show, uh, the shows, uh, you know, I'm, recording or publishing 12 episodes personally and and we've got another show that produces 5 a week so 17 pieces of podcast content a week and so that's a lot of content it feels like i'm repeating myself all of the time and i hope people don't get tired of my shtick but in reality not everybody is listening to every single piece of content that i produce the only person that probably listens to them all is my editor <laughs> the maybe my mom. <laughs> um, but what I tell every podcast guest is, look, you know, when you come on a podcast like this, there's the temptation to want to sound insightful. And so you're thinking of how do I say something that is insightful to me? What's what's really interesting to me? And in reality, you don't have to have that pressure on you. right? You're the subject matter expert and the people that are listening to you are not. So what you say that might sound elementary is insightful to the people that are listening they're probably trying to learn the basics and you're sitting here thinking about the master's class so explain things simply and you know let's move along as quickly as we can people aren't dumb but they might not have the same experience that you do so just you know keep it light keep it simple and eventually you know you'll get your message across
0: yeah that that resonates so much because we actually had a uh, we had a experience recently uh, during an internal meeting, we were actually talking about a concept for our customers. It was about reporting and and how you might be able to segment certain um, reports and kind of get some insight out of it. And the person that was talking and kind of showing us was like, yeah, but this, you know, we've been doing this for years. And we were like, no, 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 we need to package this up like in a blog or in a, a little template that we could send to customers. And when we sent it, I mean, it was, and we put it out into the community. It was like, I mean, the light bulb went off for people. They're like, oh my gosh, like, this is just so insightful. And that person just came back and was like, oh my gosh, like, I thought this would be, you know, I thought people would kind of make fun of this because it's so, you know, simple. And, you know, this is something that we've just been doing for years. I, I assumed everybody else was doing it. And it comes back to that assumption. You know, you do think everybody else is doing it, uh, or you assume that somebody's had the same experience you do. And as soon as you bring that insight, um, it's going to, there's going to be somebody that gets some, some sort of value out there. And so there's, there's value in thinking, hey, uh, if you can do something simply, and we can get it out there there's value. There's going to be somebody who's going to listen to that and say, Hey, I can take that away.
1: Yeah. And there's something that you said that I thought was really insightful before, which is, you know, you have to say the message multiple times and maybe it's from different channels. It can also be said by different people. You know, I think that for the customer success leaders listening to this podcast, you know, employee advocacy is one of the things that's uh, I've seen and, and heard, you know, interviewing people in the MarTech industry. What are all the technologies? What are all the marketing channels people are relying on? Obviously, it's different, you know, your B2B, your B2C, if you're e-commerce or SaaS, like the, the channels are going to change depending on your products and circumstances and industries. But some of the most popular channels that I've You know, heard of recently, there's this big shift that performance marketing is getting more and more expensive, relying on Google, relying on Facebook. Sure, you can move your budgets to TikTok if you're skewing for a younger audience. You know, when it comes down to it, you can buy your audience and buy attention and set up a toll booth for you, but you run into an economy of scale problem. And so while you're relying on paying to grow, you need to start cultivating organic growth channels. Now that's content, that's public relations, that's sometimes influencer relationships, customer relationships, and then employee advocacy is the big one that people don't really think about. How do we leverage the people that are advocates inside of our company to get our message out to the people that would be potential prospects? So, you know, training your team to talk about what they can be saying to help grow the business um, is something that's really powerful and really an underutilized marketing channel um, that, you know, is starting to sort of bubble itself up.
0: Yeah, I um, actually just saw a clip from, uh, I think it was uh, Devin Reed who works at Gong um, in the in, uh, B2B SaaS organization. and And mm-hmm. he was just talking about two things that he felt like Uh, were important because gong has a a culture where people are posting a lot um, you know on social channels and their their employees seem to be very active and he said there was two things you know one was the empowerment um we didn't tell people to do it but we've made sure that they feel they felt empowered if they wanted to it you know that's a comfortable thing like you can go do that you're not going to you know there's not going to be a a kind of slap on the wrist type of um, thing that happens if you're posting you know um, and trying to grow kind of your personal brand and, and we're going to get the benefit of that and so um, first was that kind of empowerment and then the other part that he talked about was just the enablement piece which i think um, lends itself to what you're mentioning too which is you know helping them understand you know what are they posting is it effective um, what are great ways to tell stories inside of you know, social content, but how can you actually bring resources to them that says, Hey, let's help you not only do this, but let's make you better. Like, how do we, you know, how do we help you grow at this and learn that this is a new skill that you can learn. We can bring resources to the table. Um, and so how do you bring that enablement that you can actually say, Hey, we're, we're trying to impact this and grow it and change it over time. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't know if there's anything that comes to mind for you. That's, you know, as you think about employee advocate advocacy about, you know, what's important to make sure and, and come across.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's people. Process technology, um, and I think that in this case, you know, you're talking about what's the relationship look like between the company, the organization, and the people that are working for, and and making sure that the incentives are aligned. It's not just, hey, you're now part of this company, so we're commandeering your LinkedIn feed. Yeah, right, exactly. It's icky. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think the idea is as a organization you know, we want to help support the career growth um, of our employees. And so we want to provide you with content that you think would be relevant to share on social media. So you can help grow your social media following and level of influence. And you get to take that with you. If and when you leave, obviously, we want you to stay at this organization, but we want to help you build your career not only from a, a um, you know, resume perspective, but from a level of influence perspective. And so that's why we use these tools and these technologies to help you not only understand what's happening with the company, but be able to talk about it and then grow who is, you know, in your sphere of influence. Um, You know, at the end of the day, there's guys like you and me who kind of do this for a living, who are, you know, leveraging the audience that they've been been able to grow because they have a network because we produce a lot of content and that can become its own business um, and then, you know, there's people that are working in companies who are thinking about, you know, self promotion and, and sort of career development, either way, the answer is the same thing is, you know, building your network and staying and keeping it warm, um, you know, helps you from a career perspective, also helps you, you know, potentially become a stuffing golf stuffed golf shirt talking head like you and me.
0: Hey, gang customer expectations are at an all time high. In fact, in a recent survey, 50% of customers said they would purchase more from companies with better customer service. With this increase in customer demand for personalized service, most businesses and CRM platforms can't keep up. HubSpot's Service Hub is authentic, connected, and more importantly, easy to use. Featuring customer portals, SLA tracking, and custom surveys, HubSpot Service Hub empowers your teams to deliver customer-first experiences that deliver empathy at scale. Put your customer first with an easy, connected platform that delivers authentic service. Learn more about HubSpot's Service Hub at hubspot.com/products/service. Yeah, that is um that's such a good point. And it it something you mentioned earlier that this just also rings true is that um you know trying to avoid that self promotion game in in some context. I think you were saying it earlier, and I think what you were alluding to, and this is hoping that you can clarify, but like. I think if I if I was to go look at the content that you're putting out and you know I've listened to a couple of the episodes of the podcast, right? You're not sitting there saying, I mean, you were running a consulting firm at one point, right? You weren't sitting there saying, hey, come use me as your consultant. You were saying, hey, here are some of my thoughts. Here are some of my opinions on how to do this type of stuff. Hey, here's some tools. Here's some, um, you know, here kind of bringing some of that thought leadership and value. And you, it's almost like, Giving value first before you ask for anything in return, and I think that's where you start to also see um, big benefit when you start trying to to build this employee advocacy. Is um, hey, the best thing that we can be doing, and it, you know, is if you have an insight, if you have something that you think is valuable, just start sharing it and start making it into a story. And as you start crafting that, what you're going to start to find is that you'll start to attract people, you'll start to bring people in that are interested in that type of stuff. And that's how it starts to snowball and, and kind of get into this. But I think sometimes people get um, turned off by the fact that, you know, if you start, if you start um, doing too much self-promotion in the early days, or if you do too much self-promotion about your company you work for, and, you know, at the end of the day, what we're trying to avoid is just, Hey, here's a link, sign up for this blog and, you know, download this PDF, right? You're trying to avoid situations like that. And that's where, if you can craft the right story and narrative, it, it can, it can be a benefit.
1: Yeah, I, I try to avoid self promotion, uh, and uh, you know, going back to the early days of the Martech podcast, you know, my strategy as a consultant was I reach out to the people that I have worked with before, and and say, hey, you know, we've worked together before. Here's the things that I'm doing for other companies. If you ever have a need, I enjoyed working with you. Let's find a way to continue to work together. But I had contacted everybody I had worked with, so I was basically treading over old contacts and recycling leads. So what I was trying to do was work with more people basically for free. And the way that I thought of doing that was I'm going to work with you because I'm going to produce a piece of content for you to help you promote your brand. I'm not doing self promotion. I'm interviewing somebody who I want to be my customer and I'm helping promote them in that conversation. And it creates value for the audience because they want to get educated on whatever marketing practice the person I was interviewing was talking about or whatever technology they're using. And so it's not like I'm coming and saying, Benjamin Shapiro has the greatest marketing podcast and you can learn from me because I'm smart. I'm a marketer. That's, you know, I would, I would never say that. Yeah. You know, what I was doing was saying, Greg Isaacs this is the first interview I ever did. Greg Isaacs is, you know, the chief product officer and chief marketing officer at the Ben Group, which helps companies get their products into Netflix. If you're interested in learning about that, we created this piece of content, and I'm really proud of it. I think you'd love it too. Yeah. And people are like, "Oh, that's interesting. How do you get Pepsi into Netflix?" And so, you know, people started to listen to the content, and now he sees value out of it, and then I can go back to him and say. Hey, it seems like people really like this stuff. maybe there's a way for us to either create more content or I can help you think about what you're doing from a marketing perspective and you know for me it, it, the audience ended up growing up and growing and I ended up going a different direction but the idea was never self promotion it was providing value to the people that were in my audience by producing content that that they think is relevant
0: yeah it it comes down to as well. I think the the storytelling aspect or the way that you are kind of architecting pieces of content as well. And so I'm curious if you do you have a framework or thing that you think about when you're, you know, as you're kind of going through that piece of content of, hey, how can I how can I make sure if I'm if I'm going to produce something like you said, a it's got to be valuable, but then b I need to make sure that I can tell it in a way that you know attracts people. Right? Sometimes just having something valuable isn't enough. You need to make sure that you're kind of drawing somebody in. You're you're kind of thinking about that. Um, story arc, uh, if you want to think about it that way. So I'm curious if you've, yeah. you know, learned over the years about how to do that. Well,
1: you know, uh, the best way I could describe what our strategy is for this is how we've changed the format of the, of all of our shows. But it started with the Martech podcast. When I first started producing podcasts, we were doing hour long episodes, and we didn't have a lot of data. You know, a hundred downloads per episode or something like that. It was uh, small and uh it was big at the time but now yeah, it yeah. feels relatively small um and you know we looked at the data that we had coming through the platforms and this could be on any platform you're using and we saw look the consumption rate of our content was 25 so i'm going to do an hour-long interview and people are going to listen to 15 minutes Ugh, that feels like such a waste you know what i'm going to do i don't want to do more interviews these things are tiring They're they take energy I'm just gonna take the conversation. I'm gonna record two introductions and we're gonna break the conversation into two parts. And so then we had two pieces of content with two different titles. So I'm getting more organic growth. I'm able to publish content more frequently and I didn't have to do any more work. And what we saw was instead of people listening to 25% of each episode, they listened to like 50% of each episode. So then we tried it one more time and we said, all right, we're gonna cut the hour long interview into 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, people were listening to 95% of each episode. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, You know, we were able to look at the data that we were getting from the platform that gives us a sense of, you know, what was adopted, you know, what's the right format of the show. And so it's not only how do we figure out what topics are interesting, you could look at search data to try to figure out topics relevant to your audience. You could look at in podcasting, you know, which episodes had the most downloads, which had the... Highest listen through rates, but but also you can think about the format of the show. You know, where are you losing people? What is attracting people? What's detracting them? I don't know if that's the right word, but what's getting them to go away? Yeah. Uh, and and then you know that was the biggest learning for us early on was how long should our content be? What's the right format for the channel that we're publishing? And we found more frequent, shorter content was the right mix for us.
0: Yeah. That. We went through a similar exercise recently with our our customer facing teams, where we actually pulled in data from surveys like NPS and CSAT that you'd think of. We pulled in data from our customer community. We pulled it in from our knowledge base. There were multiple areas that we kind of pulled in this data to try and help us understand what are our customers caring about, right? We even looked at support tickets and um, and other things that were coming into the mix because you know we wanted wanted to know what type of content should we be, should we be, be producing. You know, we were sitting there thinking hey, we need to make sure that this is like a, a big bang for our buck here. And so triangulating that data um, in a way that was, you know, we were able to essentially say, hey, this is what they're caring about most. This is most important. Let's go create and dive deep on this topic um, was something that we've done recently. And it worked out pretty well for us. You know, we started having knowledge-based articles. We had a five-minute video from our education team. Uh, we started thinking about how to push that message into the product itself, through um, some various in-product engagement, we did email campaigns. So now uh, I think like you were getting at right now, we picked a topic that we know we can go deep on and that our customers care about. And um, we just saw such an uptick in um, engagement from that, right? It's just producing the right content, um, not just producing kind of the quantity. It was, a, it was also about like, is it the right content for the audience at the right time?
1: It's the right content for the right audience. It's the right channel for the right audience, and it's the right format of the right content in that channel. I think that those are the three things to think about when you're trying to figure out how to, you know, produce content that's relevant to your audience, and then you know, use your employees and, and use your other distribution channels to get it out there.
0: Yeah, um, one one last area I would love to um, kind of talk about and, and see if you've got experience or have thought about this quite a bit is. I think in our in our um arena in customer success one of the big things is just around customer advocacy. I know we were talking about employee advocacy earlier and you were mentioning, you know, kind of a um an area where there's you know you could definitely uh, people could invest more time and you know companies could invest more but I'm curious if you've seen um kind of interesting ways that that people have produced content out of customer advocacy. I think your your yeah. traditional ones right are just your case study or hey I need to jump on a reference call and I feel like those are just I don't know, those have been used so often. I'm just curious if you've kind of seen throughout the, the evolution of, of what you've been exposed to, uh, ways yeah. to do that better or, or ways to, to do different types of content around kind of this customer advocacy and the stories that they're able to tell.
1: It's funny that you mention customer advocacy and, and I swear everyone listening that this was not a pre-planned thing, but the, <laughs> um, the, the sponsor of the MarTech podcast this month who has content running on the show this week is a company called Upfluence. Um, And what they do that I think is really smart is they basically help companies go through their CRM data and enrich it to figure out which of their customers have not only had a good experience, but also have the biggest potential social reach. And then they build programs to help those customers um, talk about their experiences in the appropriate social channels, and so basically, they are creating influencers out of your customers. Interesting. I mean, they, have, they have technology solutions that help you do that, and they're primarily e-commerce focused. I, I know that they do some B two B SaaS as well, um, but I think that that process, whether you're using Upfluence or there's a, you know, there's some other tools out there that do something similar, is it's not only great to build a customer experience it's important for you to understand who those customers are and with a simple step of enrichment like take customer email find them on linkedin twitter instagram yep. look up how many they followers they have figure out how you want to weight each channel based on how relevant it is for your audience come up with a syndication score and then reach out to the people that have the highest score we we did this for the martech podcast when somebody fills out a when somebody fills out a, a speaker application we look through to see how many LinkedIn followers that person has, how many Twitter followers they have, how many um, or what their domain rank is, and we built a little algorithm that says, "Hey, these people have the biggest potential reach," and that influences who we invite to be our guests. Because we get ten applications a week, we've got two spots. How do we figure out who are the two out of the ten applications we get that are, you know, credible? Have yep. interesting topics, but also could potentially help us grow our show. And you know that same principle works when you're thinking about your customer advocacy as well.
0: Yeah, and it, I think too, just going back to what we were talking about earlier, I think the other thing for for teams to start thinking about as well from a customer advocacy perspective is um, you can take, you know, you can set up a Zoom call like this and record something with your customer. Um, doesn't necessarily mean you need to use it, you know, in its original format. You could chop it up into smaller pieces, audiograms or segments. You could produce a pod, you could produce a podcast from it. You could produce a blog article. Like there's just, I think, I don't know, sometimes I I feel like the standard way to think is like, oh, we just need to send a case study to a, you know, a prospect who's in the sales cycle. And, um, you know, it goes back to what I think we were talking about earlier, you know, sometimes variety is good. And you could say, Hey, instead of just sending you a normal case study, we actually you know, recorded a private podcast with a, a customer and, you know, here's, here's what that audio looks like and you can listen to it. So I just think there's different formats that you kind of bring in. And and
1: and it depends if you're enterprise B2B SaaS an Instagram post, isn't going to be real relevant, right? If you're a commerce business, you want people to be posting a product of that, a picture of them smiling next to your product. So obviously the industry changes what channel you're going to focus on. Um, and I, I will add that it doesn't matter what your industry is, you telling someone how great you are is different than someone else telling them how great you are. Yep. So if you can get your customers who have had positive, experience, positive experiences to not only create content or you work with them to create the content, but to get them to share it through their channels of distribution. Hey, I, this customer posted this on LinkedIn. You know, yep. this is what people are saying about us. Look at, you know, Benjamin Shapiro talking about how he was a guest on the Game, Grow, Retain podcast on LinkedIn. He said it was the best podcast he's ever been on. Maybe you should be our podcast guest. You know, if you're showing people that they are talking about you instead of you are talking about you, there's going to be a lot more credibility.
0: Yeah, it goes a lot. It goes a longer way, um, especially now there's all these kind of open communities that are out there, right? Think about your customer posting in kind of your, uh, you know, insert X industry, you know, whatever that main community that you have out there is probably an open source one that you have access to. And um, all the time, you know, it happens in our gang community. There are, you know, a ton of tech vendors and, and software vendors and there's threads, you know, it says, hey, who's the best tech vendor to work with? And, you know, you get streams of people that say, hey, I've had a great experience with X or I've had a bad experience with Y. And that influences yep. a lot of people just from that one thread like that.
1: And look, you know, there's ways to sort of incent your customers to have those conversations. Um, And, you know, this is just reality. It might sound a little, I'll use the term icky again, but, you know, you can turn your customers into affiliates not just advocates you can yeah. give them an incentive to start sharing and talking about you whether it's discounts off your products uh, you know whether it's uh, some sort of a monetary incentive there's lots of different ways that you can work with the people that have the best possible experience that have the ammo to talk about you and the credibility and the reach well you know that's something that instead of giving facebook the money to say hey talk about my product you can always give that either back to your customers or, or, you know, start paying them to uh, start helping you promote the product in an appropriate way where they're not, you know, sort of bastardizing their credibility.
0: Yeah. And then, um, you know, the last point I'll, I'll mention there too is um, we've also seen how sometimes, you know, there are people who maybe they just want to grow their own personal brand too. So they're not even looking for monetary. They're just saying, Hey, you know, help me go, um, you know, build my personal brand and come up with ideas to to grow my followings and, and the thought leadership, like you said, the influence that I can have in the market, like, you know, maybe they're a director and they're saying, hey, I want to get to a VP level and I need to, you know, I need to kind of up my game. I need to get my name out there. I need to make sure that I'm um, kind of producing thought leading type activities and, and you can help do that, right? Yeah. Um, just like yeah. you said, there's not only monetary incentives, there's there's other ways you can do that too. And it, it that can be incredibly valuable for sure.
1: That's That's sort of my whole game is that, people want to be visible they want to be public speakers and so we're able and i'm sure you're in the same way that there's lots of demand for you know your attention as a content creator, people want to work with you because you have an audience that they're trying to reach. And that goes when you're a company saying, hey, you've had this great experience. We'd love to create some content with you that, you know, we'd love for you to share, but we'll also put it on our blog or in our social media channels. Let's help you raise your profile as our customer." So, um, you know, figuring out who is the reach, figuring out who's had a positive experience, uh, figuring out what story you're going to tell, and then giving them the means to share that. That's kind of the the secret sauce of using your customers and, and sometimes your employees to be your advocates
0: yeah um, awesome well Ben this has been this has been good that we, we went through and, and talked just a little bit about you know content and different ways to uh, to leverage that kind of chop it up in different ways use it uh, to kind of push your message we talked about employee advocacy um, we jumped into customer advocacy a little bit more uh, got to hear your backstory so appreciate you uh, you hopping on. Um, I always like to give everybody a chance here at the end, but you know, where can where can people, if they want to find some more um, Ben Shapiro, where can they go do that?
1: Yeah, um, I would not look in the podcast app store and 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 search for Ben Shapiro because there's a political podcaster. I'm the <laughs> other one. I'm Benjamin. Um, you can look for the Martech Podcast, uh, MartechPod.com, if you're interested in organic growth, uh, content marketing, SEO. Um, the other show is called the Voices of Search Podcast. Um, I've got a consulting website, benjshap.com. We're going to launch, I hear everything. Um, I, I'm around, you can find me, uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, I guess that we went through the entire podcast without mentioning our mutual connection, the HubSpot, the HubSpot podcast network. That's, you know, you can go to, what's it? HubSpot.com slash podcast network. And then you can find my show and Jeff's show. And, and that's probably another great resource to find a, a little bit of information about me.
0: We're going to go ahead and link out to everybody in the, uh, in the show notes and descriptions as well. So we'll make sure um, Benjamin's LinkedIn's in there, social channels, and uh, that we link out to the right websites. But um, excited for you to do this and come on and share some insights just around uh, in marketing and uh, the overlap that we see there between customer success and marketing. So I appreciate it